Hey guys, welcome to the You Make the Scene podcast. My name is Josh, and this is episode number 60. This week on the episode, I've got an incredible conversation with Ariel and Sean of Icon for Hire. Uh, first, I want to say that I appreciate them taking the time, so thank you to Ariel and Sean for doing this interview, this conversation. Um, so glad that we were able to link up and talk about this new album. Um, for you guys that are listening, in this conversation we talk about the new album, Amorphous, which drops on February the 19th. We talk about some of the methods that went into creating the vibe and the the energy that they were able to capture for this album. We talked about the Kickstarter and how their fan base has just blown everything out of the water when it comes to their expectations and what their hopes for the Kickstarter really were. Um, talked a little bit about some new music videos, talked a little bit about mental health, uh, as well as a ton of other stuff. It was a really, really good conversation. Um, super glad that we got to have it. I've known about Icon for Hire since like 2011, 2012, somewhere around there maybe. Um, got to see them at Warp Tour and photograph them and ever since was just really hooked into what they're doing. Um, I think they've got a great, unique sound. They're constantly trying to experiment and change things up a little bit and they're kind of unapologetically authentic and honest with with their art. Um, and I think it's part of what goes into their fan base being so loyal and supportive of them. Um, it was a great conversation. We touched on even that, you know, kind of how the Icon Army, as their fan base is called, have supported them over the years and, and stepped up through like the Kickstarter and other uh, methods like that. So let's jump into my conversation with Ariel and Sean of Icon for Hire. So to kick things off, for people that aren't familiar with you guys, let's start with your names and kind of what you do in the band. All right. Hi, I'm Ariel. I do the vocals and write all the songs lyrically. <laughs> I think I got a lyric in there. Uh, I'm Sean. I play guitar and uh, produce and compose most of the music. Awesome. Um, so you guys have been around for quite a while, um, you know, amassed, as you call it, the Icon Army. Um, so let's talk a little bit about kind of how that all developed and what goes into developing a fan base like what you guys have that's so passionate about the project that you're working on. They are very passionate. They're amazing. And I don't even want to take credit and be like, it's because we did A, B, and C. <laughs> I don't know. We got lucky and got really great fans. I do think we've been able to have some longevity because of the focus that we've put on our fans from the beginning. You know, we were definitely that band that was meeting everyone at the merch table after the show, hanging out for many hours, very hands-on. We've been DIY. Still do, and still do that. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, in the last few years, replacing some of that with socials, especially now in 2020, trying to right. connect and engage. Um, but I don't know, we play shows and look out and there's very emotional people in the crowd and that's really cool. We don't, we don't know how that happened. People are connecting with it. 
Yeah, I, I would agree. And I think, you know, at least for me, um, part of it is the authenticity that you guys have, you know, oh. that you, you don't pull any punches with your music, um, the song content, things like that. Let's talk a little bit about kind of how you use music almost as a therapy to, to talk about the things that aren't necessarily the most comfortable things to talk about. Yeah. Uh, yes, if that's the question. <laughs> yes, we do that. Yes, I do that. Um, I, you know, would go crazy without it. And it's one of the best ways that I have found to process the complicated inner world is through trying to take what's inside and bring it out outside of myself. And then oftentimes those songs are so messy and so all over the place that they're never going to see the light of day. No one else is going to hear them. But oftentimes, it, maybe a little bit later, six months later, I'll be able to write from that same place and I'll have figured it out a little bit more and I'll be able to come at it from a different place that feels a little bit more healed up and whole. And that's when I feel comfortable letting the audience into it. But I don't like to share something when it's too raw because that doesn't seem helpful or productive. It just seems like, hey, I'm in a messy place right now. Like, here we go. <laughs> you know, um, how do you feel when you write lyrics, Sean? Huh? How do you feel when you write your lyrics? My riffs are <laughs> <laughs> Um, so let's talk about uh, the Kickstarter. So Amorphous is totally crowd crowdfunded. Um, you guys had 3,200 people that donated to this cause for you guys. Um, $263,000 raised. Uh, kind of obviously that blew all expectations out of the water, but kind of seeing that grow and as you guys moved and added more stretch goals, what did all that mean to you? I, I, my mind was blown from like, we were, we had a number in mind. We were like, okay, we'll, we'll do this. We're not even going to getting close to the first one. And then it just kept going and kept going and kept going. And then a few of my friends know that I've been wanting a dog. Uh, <laughs> Ryan actually took credit for it, by the way. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and so we were just like, let's throw the dog. And the fans kind of knew that too, because we're very active on like uh, acoustic shows, even before the Kickstarter, they knew that I wanted a dog. So they were just like, let's do the dog. So when we added the dog in there, I just <laughs> went, Ooh. it was like, oh my God, people rallied behind the dog. It was the last day that it really. Yeah. But as far as what it meant to me, it just like, the world is a fucking mess right now. People are losing their jobs. People are, I mean, we lost so much money. We almost got stuck in Europe um, during during the yeah. thing. And then, so I know people are struggling right now and to see people step up because they need music right now to help them. Uh, it really meant, it really touched some parts of my heart to see people giving so much in such a crazy time yeah. that I'm just like, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm speechless. You know? We still haven't processed it. I, no, we have not processed it at all. That evening, you know, because it, it's changed significantly that last day. I think we were at 210,000, which is incredible. We started a live stream and we we're like, we're just going to go until the end of the night. And by the end of the night, it was at 263, which is like, I can't even say the words out loud because we're just, what are these numbers? I don't know. Yeah, I literally <laughs> left in the middle to go get food. And then at one point, I was like, where did Ariel go? And she was taking a nap. <laughs> I was not taking a nap. <laughs> Well, you were I had to out. take a break. We had the live stream going, but I was like, I need a minute because we've been going for hours yeah. and hours. Uh, yeah. But we still don't understand it. But what it, what it does, it makes me emotionally feel so supported by our audience. It makes me feel like, dang, people really care about what's happening here and what we're doing. There's a place for us. Even with all the uncertainty in the world, like our Icon Army is still here. They still give a damn. They still have our backs. That just feels really warm and cozy inside. It's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, um, again, for, for me, I found out about you guys on Warp Tour, obviously dug in more and more over the years. Um, 
you know, I think it, it goes back to kind of that authenticity and people are able to relate to the music that you're putting out that says, maybe I'm not alone in, in this feeling that I've got. Um, and I think that's a powerful thing and it, it shows through this Kickstarter, especially. Yeah. yeah. I, I hope you're right. I want people to feel that when they listen to our music. So I hope that's what they're That's the goal. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Um, so you guys have put out three singles so far. Um, the latest one just dropped about, well, this last Friday. Um, what kind of reaction are you getting from the fans and, and like your Patreon and things like that? Well, we just care about what Sean's dad thinks. What does your dad think? <laughs> uh, he, 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 his favorite quote in a text is, this song fucking rocks. He's like, he's always, this is the best one ever. Best yeah. thing. Like, he's so sweet and supportive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, right. So he digs it. But no, of course, it's not just all about Sean's dad. We really do appreciate the feedback and the encouragement that we get, whether, you know, whether it's good feedback or bad feedback, but it has been really positive. And I think we're learning every new song we put out, we learn more about what our audience likes, what, what they connect with, what they resonate with most. And it really seems like, I don't know if it's the time that we're in right now, all the frustration, anxiety, but people are connecting with the heavier stuff. And so that's great. We've got some heavy stuff yeah. on this album. We're excited about that. And this last one standing song is meant to be empowering. It's meant to, to hopefully make the listener feel like they're not in this alone, like, like they're this badass conqueror of the world. Um, and we just filmed a music video for that last week. And the video kind of plays up on that theme as well. Right. So we're excited to release that. Awesome. Um, and the videos are something I wanted to talk about too, for sure, because you guys do a lot more like theatrical videos versus just like, oh, we're going to stand in this room and play a live performance and have the song. What goes into kind of the storyboarding and, and concepts for you guys on that? Well, I'll speak to that because I, I do a lot of that. Um, I get together with my <laughs> best friend, Jess. She's been my best friend for like a decade. She actually kind of stepped on in a more formal role with this album launch. We actually yeah. were sitting right here, like on the floor this summer coming up with the album name, the, the theme, the visual, the color scheme, just like how to connect the music. So we I, I literally walked in one day and I, I came in and they were like, we have the album name, we have the artwork. And I was like, here's the Pinterest board. I was it. like, cool. It's like, great. <laughs> so having her involved has really helped. So if you see some of the elevation of the visuals, I have to give her credit for that. Um, and also we've been doing this for a while. So this time it being our fourth album, we did want to kind of step our game up and it didn't hurt that our Kickstarter campaign was so went so wonderfully that we were able to have the funds to invest in music videos. And we were very candid yeah. with our audience about that. Like, hey, if you guys want videos, they don't become cheap. You know, we're gonna need to, to rally behind this to make that happen. And so with their support, we, we're gonna have, um, I think five music videos by the time the album comes out, which is, we've never done that. The we've most never had, I think we, our total is five music videos. Total, yeah. Yeah, total. So in the past, <laughs> like one video, two videos, you know, when we were with the label, we didn't have any say in that anyway. So it's really cool now to be able to go our own path and make all this great visual content to, to go with the music. Yeah. Um, talk a little bit about, you know, without necessarily throwing them under the bus, but the freeing the shackles of a label, you know, everybody thinks that the label's the best way to elevate yourself. And obviously it helps with the checkbook, but there's a lot of restriction that comes with that as well, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. From uh, just a couple of quick stories. There was an email that came in. We were in the studio doing the first record and the president of the record label, the producer just kind of turned around and told us cause he didn't like the guy anyway. <laughs> so the, <Right>. the producer <laughs> was like, he's telling me to make sure that you turn down your sass because his listener, his audience won't buy it. And we're like, no, we need more sass. <laughs> 
Just we, like, yeah. we need more of Ariel. I felt, I felt like they were kind of trying to put our personality and our vibe in a certain kind of corner to, their box. to appeal to their predisposition to audience versus we, of course, wanted to just show up the way we wanted to show up. Who doesn't? That's why we're artists, because we don't want to be right. filtered or censored. You know, but you mentioned even the, the financial side. One of the reasons we had to leave was because the financial side, it was just not- They had no money. Well, we hadn't, we couldn't keep going. There right. would be no longevity for us. We right. saw a lot of bands in our similar scenario, similar level who started at the same time with us. And they were just unfortunately not able to keep going, dropping like flies essentially. And so we're like, oh, this is our future. In six months, we too will have to just call it quits as a band unless we take some drastic other steps, uh, which we were able to do and kind of buy our independence back. Um, and that was really hard and scary and traumatic. Uh, the whole thing, we went through bankruptcy and it, it felt like it was the end there for a while, but it worked out. No, I'm, we're just too stupid to quit. That's right. <laughs> hey, but you know that, I think that shows through the music, right? The the yeah. message of kind of persevering through yeah. those dark and hard times. So exactly right. Um, I, love that I feel like our career parallels some of the personal issues. It's like, like, don't right. stop, keep going. Like, it's going to get better. Even if it feels like crap right now, there's no hope. There's probably something around the corner you're not expecting. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, again, that's a, a message that I've picked up on you guys for years is that, you know, even in the darkest times, there's some sort of, of hope around the corner, you know, just get through one more door and it'll, it'll be okay. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And that's been our personal experience. And it's also just comforting. Who knows if that's true in a like grand scheme of things but we like to believe it it needs to be true when you're in that dark like dark night of the soul when you feel like you can't keep going you need to remember that you're probably not always going to feel that way and i've had a lot of success personally in my own well-being journey um of always kind of stepping outside that like chaotic i want to die feeling because it can be very all-encompassing where you're like i can't continue and think of all the depression anxiety stress that we're all experiencing due to the isolation of covid again we kind of have to look at the long game here in order to have any kind of hope once hope dies, like I feel like I'm screwed. And so I always have to step outside of myself, look at the bigger picture and that's what keeps me going. Yeah, and I, I would agree, you know, obviously COVID has fucked up everybody's kind of mindset and, and perception on things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, through music and through the hope that the message uh, is delivered, you know, a lot of people are at least hanging on and getting to that next day. We hope so. Yep. <clears throat> yep. So, um, Ariel, you had a TED Talk last year, um, a little over a year ago now, where you talked about kind of hacking your brain in a loving way and things like that. And then because of the Kickstarter, you brought back your YouTube show temporarily. And now you're talking about kind of why that doesn't necessarily impact you the same way. Um, talk about the growth that you've went through over the last year, because obviously some of that was COVID related, right? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Uh, basically in this latest, I don't know, personal developments phase that I'm on, I feel like I'm always just in different worlds, trying different things. Uh, I've really come full circle around to the fact that I'm not going to find the answer to fix the broken parts of me through an external thing. And it's not going to be in a book or a new like theory or an online class. Like I have the grid work for my own heart inside of myself. And it's about letting that surface. <laughs> We're getting so deep so quick. Um, but I, I <laughs> stand behind, you know, what I have shared in the last few years through my book and, and through my TED talk as well is that there is a way to choose more positive thinking without uh, squashing down the sad parts of ourselves. I think that's what's so important. We need to honor the voice of sadness that comes up in us. We can't just 
kind of blow, like pretend it's not there. And I'm very guilty of that. If I experience an insecurity, it's been very easy for me to be like, I'm a badass. I got this. Well, that's really burned me in the last couple of years where it has kind of overflowed in other ways. It's come out sideways in a way that has hurt me. And so now I try to do it in that way that I kind of describe in the, in the TED talk and on the Ariel show, which is making room for all parts of me. And that's like cool and new for me because before I try to change myself all the time. So it's kind of wonderful to accept the ugly and dark parts of myself as well as the good stuff. Yeah. And I think that's where I wanted you to get to um, on the, your reply was, you know, the acceptance of yourself, um, because I think your, mu your music and, you know, the Icon Army um, is such a powerful community where people can start accepting each other as well as themselves because everybody's there. I hope so. That's what I want it to be that and I do see that on the Facebook groups and the forums, even, you know, a person at the shows in person uh, that people know each other and they care about each other's journeys. And, you know, we've collectively as, as a group and as a family, as a family gone through some stuff together, not just us personally as band members, not just as the band, but some of the members of the Icon Army have, have survived some really incredible things together. And unfortunately some haven't survived, you know, and, and we've all though, you know, experienced that together. And I think it, we've gone through some trauma together and, and that's a powerful thing. And I, I value that because it feels really deep and meaningful. It feels like not just like us and our fans. It feels like, oh no, like this goes deeper than that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I would agree. Um, so let's talk a little bit more about the album Amorphous. Um, going to be dropping February the 18th or 19th? 19th, I'm 19th. pretty sure. Whatever the Friday 19th. is. Yes. Right. That, that's what I can't remember either. Um, so <laughs> coming up to that, like you guys said, you've got some music videos, things like that. Um, talk a little bit about the, you know, the last one standing is one of the more heavy songs, more fast paced, upbeat. Um, what can fans kind of expect with the remainder of the album? Is it pretty well split or is there a lot more of that heavy uh, material on there? Uh, yeah, we just fucked it all up. <laughs> It just, it literally, like, the first record we did was scripted, and I feel like that was a lot of, like, just the being young musicians. It's like, yep. let's just be as loud as we can and just, like, rawr, you know? But from that record on, we started experimenting, and, and you know, during that time, like, it was, like, 10 years ago, like, uh, digital analog workstations started being more accessible to everybody, and they just came on laptops, every, any laptop you bought. So I dug in probably 12 years ago uh, producing experimentation with beats and hip hop. So to wrap this up, I think you're gonna get on the Amorphous, it's gonna be the heaviest record we've ever done, um, but it's also gonna bring in the elements of the last two records of my experimentation of some of the some of the programming and stuff, uh, piano sense and stuff, I do all that stuff. And then we went, the producer we got, we actually uh, seeked out a EDM producer, drum and bass, trance, Tropical House, he does all that yeah. stuff. He's never done a rock band ever in his life. Um, <laughs> he didn't know what to do. He didn't know what to fucking do. <laughs> it, was it was a mess. It was, it was good, a good entire mess. Entire process was a yeah. mess. Uh, because then when we handed our mixer uh, a super heavy EDM rock album, he went like, it was like, it was like. What do we do with this? Yeah, what do, how do I do We've this? heard this our whole careers. We've heard from radio stations, uh, booking yeah. agents, people who we want to tour with that 
because there's a lot going on that it's hard to fit us in something. And that doesn't help us on a practical It's not level. helping us as far as get to the right. masses. If no, that, you know. but it, it's like what we like doing. We like doing it in a weird kind of messy but way. But I'm the one that, I, my thing is I have a, I'm the one that has to sleep at night. Like I have to want to be that one to be okay with what I release to the world. Mm -hmm. And if I just release some right. ballad album full of ballads, I'd be like, not be able to sleep. <laughs> be like, dang. Um, but to wrap up right. the record, it's all over the place. It's gonna be make you want to headbang. It's gonna make you want to dance at times, and it's definitely gonna make you want to cry. On a few of the on a few of the tracks, we bring she went the emo. She went uh, really deep. No, but it's, it's so good because I've been so honest about my personal, you know, well-being journey and recovering from self self hatred and all that. It also allows me to get kind of dark because I know I have body a body of work that supports the lighter, hopeful stuff as well. So it goes in both directions. It goes like in a darker place and it goes in a yeah. more holistic kind of place. So I love that freedom to be able to do it all. And it's like the, the longer you've been a band, the more one song doesn't really make or break you because no. you have a whole body of work to fall back on. So that's cool. You can take more risks yeah. that way. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what yeah. I, uh, I use. Go ahead. No, no, no. You're fine. Go ahead. Okay. I was, I was just going to say, I use uh, Bring Me the Horizon as a, a perfect example of that. You know, like they've yeah. been around forever. And the newest album sounds nothing like the last album. It sounds nothing like anything they've done nothing. before. Like Ammo, the partnership with Baby favorite. Metal. Like who would have thought that? It's amazing. Yeah. And we feel like they're blazing the trail for the rest of us to make us look less weird. And we appreciate them for that. Hell yeah, yeah. we do. Like <laughs> that would be a dream tour to like do a Bring Me the Horizon tour. But that was like, I think, that, yeah, I think it, the, the stuff you're going to hear on this record, like we were over in Europe and I was going nuts. Like I was going crazy. Like, I literally run off stage because we've always had a hard time capturing that live. Like, you know, you're at warp tour and everyone's sweaty and everyone's rocking and everyone's like, it's just going nuts. We've never been able to put that into a three minute compressed audio wave file. It's been really hard to do. So what I was doing, I leave the right. studio set up in the green room at all the shows we were going Russia, Europe tour about two weeks before the world shut down. And I literally like run from stage and record a bunch of stuff as fast as I could. And a lot of this stuff actually is gonna, is made it on the record. So that's why I think that, cause live we're heavy. I mean, there's just no way around it. Like, yeah, we're just heavy. So I think you're gonna hear a lot of that on this record of just that old school. That aggression. Yeah, the aggression that we've had a hard time capturing, you know? Yeah, and I, I think that's really cool. And especially for fans that aren't familiar with, you know, the writing process and stuff, it's, it's cool to kind of see that, you know, like, in the attempt to capture the live energy, this is what we went through to do it. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's hell writing. <laughs> it's absolute hell. You love it. <laughs> I, I've never seen him come alive more than when he's like up to his eyeballs in a song. Yeah. He's just a mad scientist. You can't talk to him, but it's no, the best. I, I can't think or do it. He's anything. got like a force field six feet around him of just manic, amazing musical energy. Yeah. I lose him. <laughs> yeah, you, you really lose so him. So let's talk about that then, Sean. Uh, yeah. So when you're when you're on this album specifically, you know, kind of creating those sound bites and things like that, to the stems for everything. Yeah. What went into that for you? Like, did you go into it with, um, you know, that visual in your head of where you wanted her lyrics to go? Or, hey, here's what I came up with. Let's figure something out. That's really like. That's I, cute. You think you can influence my lyrics because you yeah, can't. <laughs> I know, right? There was a moment. Uh, I think after the record, she made a comment to me, and she said, 
I didn't realize how much control you had over the sound of our music. I probably did say that. Yeah, yeah. you did that. And I, I kind of always knew that, but as far as the influences of how we balance each other out, sometimes she writes to the tracks I bring to her. I kind of know after working with her for 13 years, uh, what she's going to like. So I can probably, I get, she likes 166 BPM. She likes E minor, you know, E, C, D, D E minor. Yeah. Yep. I know that. So if I want to give her some song beds, um, maybe just a piano and a hip hop beat just to get her ideas out and get them going. It's nothing for me to be able to speed it up, make it faster. I know, I know all the tempos to all of our songs from make a move to the new stuff. So I know like 166, here we go. Drum, kick, snare, live drums. So formulaic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I have to be formulated with you. But I think the reason I said that, that you have all the influence is because I was doing interviews like this and people kept asking me like, so why is the new stuff heavier? And I was like, I don't know, but it's because he intentionally made it heavier. I don't really, we each have our own skill sets and strengths. I focus on lyrics, he focuses on music. And then when people ask us questions about the other thing, we're both like, I don't know, it just worked out that way. <laughs> yeah, with lyrics, I'm like, oh, uh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh. But with yeah, and, and I think, you know, one thing that I've gotten away from over the years, because I've been doing music journalism now for 16 years. Um, cool. Yeah. Nice. So something that I've got away from is asking, you know, oh, what does this song mean? Because like, I've gotten to that point where what I take it to mean versus what you meant it or what you were going through at that time may not be the same, yeah. but it still works for each person individually. That's true. And maybe you ruin it by yeah. not leaving it open to interpretation, you know? Yeah. 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 I think all the songs she writes are about me. I'm just oh, like, I'm sorry I did that. <laughs> and she's like, it's not about you. I'm like, oh. <laughs> but I, I think that's an easy thing to get into, right? When you've especially been in a band for so long and obviously yeah. being married and things like that. Like, yeah. wait, did I piss you off? Like, hold on. <laughs> yeah. All oh, right. Like, where did that come from? Yeah. I, yeah. We were talking about that the other night on a live stream. Well, yeah, and I think some of the COVID struggles we've gone through in this last year has allowed you to see the inside of my mind a little bit more because I have obviously very clearly struggled with like emotional well-being, mental well-being, uh, maybe some elements of mental illness, even you could say, or just depression, anxiety. I should just call it that, not mental illness, but um, for sure in the last like eight months. Mental instabilities, that's what it's called. And you <laughs> have experienced that more and more in because of the isolation. Oh yeah, I learned more about myself in the last eight months than I ever had. Mm -hmm. And so he's experiencing like what's going on in his head. I'm like, yeah, Sean, I get it. Like, that's what I've been talking about in my songs for the last decade. Like, you know, the songs about this, you know? So yeah. it's cool <laughs> we're able to, I guess, connect over our shared trauma and pain right now. <laughs> well, and, and let's talk about that. You know, it, again, COVID has messed everything up. And for someone like you guys who are always on the road, you know, before this went down, like, you guys loved being out on the road. What was it like to have to take that step back and go, okay, well, now we sit and wait. Go ahead. It, it, it's been bittersweet. <laughs> the good news is I got time to go back and learn some of my favorite songs that I never really sat down and learned. So I am literally learning yeah. uh, Seek and Destroy, a, uh, um, Inter Sandman, Psychosocial with Slipknot, you know, Red, and I'm going back and learning all my favorite metal riffs because I have time. Like literally waking <laughs> up at 3 a.m. Yeah. working on riffs. 
He plays guitar seven hours a day right now. It's maddening. Fucking, I'll go nuts. I will explode yep. if I don't do something. You're exactly right. But I don't think we didn't have that moment where COVID hit and we're like, okay, now we can't do anything because our story was such that we were on tour in Europe. We had to cut it early, go home. And then three or four days later, we merged quarantines with a Nashville producer and started working on this album and yeah. did that for a couple months. And in the summer we were mixing mm -hmm. and doing artwork. And then in the fall, we did the music the videos and, and now we're like, Maybe like this March we'll find, we've had to keep busy just so we don't go crazy. Like you've probably yeah. experienced that. Like with, when you sit idly, then you overthink what's going on in the world and then your brain explodes or at least mine does. So. Yeah, there's only so many times I can like watch the entire series in one setting, uh, Walking Dead um, or Breaking Bad. And you're like, yeah. I probably should just cancel my Netflix subscription. <laughs> no kidding. I'm just getting dumber. That, that's how I am with The Office though. And like, I've noticed it become a problem because like, I'll just randomly start quoting it and people are like, what are you talking about? Yeah. And I'm like, all right, yeah. never mind. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Definitely have made it through the office as well. Yes. Yeah. So, um, you know, we're coming up on the end of the year. Uh, we've got another music video. Is it coming out before the end of the year? The last uh, one standing? We just got the first draft back and we liked it so much that we're going to save it till after the new year because we're like this is okay. really cool. And we don't want to get lost in the Christmas holiday shuffle, so. It's the most right. elaborate music awesome. video we've ever released to the world. Yeah. By hands down. For sure. Yeah. I think Sean is an actor Sweet. in it. <laughs> Are you actually an actor in it or did you just get told to stand here and look pretty? She told me to stand there and- But you acted like you have a part. You're not just behind your guitar. Like you're actually like doing a part in the video. Oh yeah, I am. Yeah. Not my favorite. He did good. Not my favorite. She's an actor, but not my favorite. So if you had your, your, you know, preference there, Sean, what would you do in, in music videos? Would you only be during the live performance side of it? I think so. Yeah, for sure. I, yeah. But what you don't know is that he is so, just the way his brain works is he's going to coordinate everything else, you know? So during the Cursor Cure shoot, he was talking to the fans and showing them songs he wasn't supposed to be showing them. Oh yeah. I was like the big brother. Like I'm a playful guy. Like I have to be around people. Like we had fans, of course, social distancing and all that stuff, but I was hanging out. I was running around. I was playing with this kid. I was just like all over the place. Getting me snacks. Yeah. Coordinating shot lists. Yeah. yeah. That's how, that's the most important thing I think I've learned since COVID is if I'm, isolated for too long and I'm not around people, I go to bad places <laughs> mentally. And right. that never ends well. But if I'm not around people and feeling the energy and socializing and like being on the road and playing clubs and shows, I'm like, I'm, I'm bad, bad state. <laughs> <laughs> so how does, obviously it's different, but how does the live streams and things like that kind of benefit or balance that? It's the only outlet we have. And I think if you've watched the progression of our live streams, I'd say in the last year and then every time that we do them, we just get more and more unfiltered, you know, as our- as so Here our, recently, she's actually laid down some like boundaries that's never been there before. You can't say this, you can't say that. <laughs> no, but I think we used to approach it a little bit more formally. And now we don't really think too hard before we speak. We're just kind of ourselves. Uh, we don't overthink right. things. We don't really care if someone takes it the wrong way. Like we, we love everyone. We hope that people can hear the heart behind something. And then that's really helped with um, being on Patreon as well. Since those live streams are just for our community, we feel like we know a lot of these people on a one-on-one -on -one level. You know, it's a Zoom setup so we can see everyone's faces. We see their bedrooms. We see that Janelle is at work today. We see Mary's baby. Like you it's can, so fun. <laughs> you can mute all of them with one button. 
I don't want to do that. <laughs> but yes, awesome. the live streaming does help. So um, yeah. we touched, or you kind of touched on, good, good. So you touched on uh, make, a mu make a Move Slightly. Um, you know, per Spotify, it's your most popular song. It's at 27 million uh, streams. What's kind of the, or, or I guess, does that sit in the back of your mind that we have to try to get there again? Or is it just a, hey, that was a great success, but we're not defined by that? I, yeah, it's that one. I'm not defined by Make a Move. I mean, it's really awesome to play that song live because it, the crowd lights up, but I'm always chasing the next Make a Move, I guess I was per se. I love that mm -hmm. song, but I don't think it's about the song. I think the song is great, but I think it was a really awesome, it was the, our first introduction to the role. I think first impressions stick. We were with the label then, so there was yeah. a bigger budget than we're going to have now. Right. And also music was in a different place when it came out. You know, rock was just, it was in that space. It was the perfect time for that song. Right. Um, and numbers are different now. And so, no, I like look at that song with like respect and awe. And I think I love it, but I don't really care about surpassing those numbers. And I don't think we will, I mean, maybe, but that's and, not the point. And to, uh, <laughs> I was talking the other day, Venom is actually the fastest growing song on Spotify that we have. I mean, it, it's crushing make a move as far as like a monthly streaming growth. Growth, yeah. Yeah, so that's one of But it's got a long songs. way to catch up because make a move's been on there since 2011 or something. I think, yeah, that's when it got uploaded or whenever. Yeah. No, I think it was later than that. Okay. But yeah. Yeah, awesome. Um, so with the the new album and streams and things like that. Obviously the world's in a different place. How much of a factor do you think the analytics side, get a, a little more on the tech side of things, the analytics side of like Apple and Spotify is going to dictate when live music can come back, where you guys tour? Oh, you always look at those, like the cities? Yeah, so how, I, I don't know if this is the what you're asking, but how I book our tours are like the agents book the tours obviously but i do the routing the routing kind of um and i always do it on youtube analytics and spotify analytics because it really just hammers in and pandora because once you look in the back end of those analytics it tells you where the listeners are yeah. um because of venom uh and because of our last tour we've never been to russia um and that song is huge in russia like if you look at our analytics it's like Russia, number one, Venom. So I do a lot of the tour routing off of all those back-end analytics. And when he's trying to convince me to have a certain song on the album, he's like, this song does really well, so we should do this song because it's in the same vein as this song. And I'm like, whatever. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> numbers don't lie. Yeah. So. Right. But at the end of the day, not that you guys are doing it for a paycheck by any means, but, yeah. you know, the numbers don't lie. So yeah. if we you would know be that in a it's going to trend industry. well. Yeah. Yes. Right. <laughs> we do it for the right. love of the music, for sure. Yeah. Um, so one of the other things I wanted to touch on uh, is more for Ariel. Uh, you guys actually wrote a song about this, but let's talk briefly about the stigma of being female-fronted or labeled as female-fronted. Um, it's something that I try not to do. I try my hardest to avoid it when I'm telling people about You're a band. You're a brave um, man, Josh, for bringing this up. <laughs> <laughs> so... How do you feel like that, you know, obviously played a factor, but, you know, kind of just go into that stigma, I guess. How do I feel like it has played a part in our success or long right. 
obviously it's it has been viewed as a novelty so it's going to get more eyeballs on the product more people in the door quote unquote or at least that's like what the labels think um but it's we found quickly like what an annoyance it was and what a hurdle it was to get over yeah um and then on things like warp tour you know where you do you have access to a large audience that might not be familiar with you which is such a gift but then it can turn into very easily all the females are lumped together in the same same way or people make up decisions about like oh i don't listen to that kind of music and they treat it like a genre which it's not it's a gender you know so it's been annoying but i think it's gotten better and i think as we've carved our own little way it it seems to come up less and less and that might be in part because we might have you released now you know we released now you know but it also used to be you know there that people would uh, like sound engineers at shows, like not treating me with respect or straight up ignoring me or asking, you know, I would ask a question and they would answer Sean or <laughs> what, you know, something like that happening. literally happened. Yeah. Um, but I, I think it's gotten better since we've been a band for over a decade now. It's not as big of a deal now. And when I talk to my fellow females in the industry, we've all kind of had this experience that it was more of an annoyance five years ago than it is now. And I'm grateful for that. And I do wonder if um, socials and online stuff has helped kind of level that playing field because it's not as much about the gatekeepers it's about what the fans are connecting with you know but oftentimes the gatekeepers right. are the men and since we're not doing this the traditional way where there are no men to open or close the doors it doesn't affect us as much as it used to however yeah. let me say this though there's a handful of radio programmers who will not play the new music because they are already playing a girl on their station and that's very recent that that's come up same with festivals we already have a female fronted band on that festival so you guys don't get the spot and I'm like, oh my it's God, what is still this? happening? 1980, like what? It's so frustrating. And I want to tweet their names, but I'm not gonna. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard not to be petty sometimes though, right? Like, <laughs> and it, I don't even know if it's a pettiness so much as a a opportunity to, to teach, right? Like it's not the old school way anymore. And why should this matter anymore? It has no real bearing on what fans and kids are connecting with. So why do we let it be a deciding factor on anything? It never should have mattered, but it's just a snapshot of society at large. And so there's going to be sexism in the world. There's going to be sexism in the music industry. And we try our best to just do our own thing and not really think about it too much, except for when we write songs about it, I guess. <laughs> You've only done it once, right? So yeah. not a huge deal. Um, with that, though, let's let's ask this. Without calling any of them out, have you been able to you know, play a show or something and then kind of go back to a booker or whoever and be like, uh, did you see the numbers? Like, we did it and you said we couldn't. Uh, well, no, because the people who tell us no are the gatekeepers, so we don't get the opportunity. And so we are in process of that, of trying to show like, hey, the fans are showing up, the numbers do support this being a viable opportunity for collaboration here or whatever. But there's another party that's like, well, fine, then I don't want you anyway. There's a two people in particular uh that sometimes i have to put myself in check like just at, for driving down the road and this person comes to my event like I, I fucking told they they literally set me down and said you're gonna ruin your entire career if you do this thing well we did it anyway and it absolutely transformed our career in the bet in, in the best realm um and those people are no longer in a band so yeah. uh that's all i have to say oh you mean like people giving advice that wasn't sound or yeah, and just being dicks about it. Oh, okay. <laughs> You're right. It's petty. Which, See, I'm I mean, it happens, not just in music, but... Yeah. Yep. I mean, I'm embarrassed I even brought it up. But... The answer is always stay in your own lane. Do your own thing. Yeah. Do what works. Connect yeah. with your fans. 
Oh, we lost him. Are you there? No, he's there. Okay. Uh, so That's all whenever we think about our fans that we don't, the, the outside noise doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if we don't get this radio opportunity because what we have with our audience works and we're grateful for it. Yeah. And I, I think that, you know, really gets shown by being able to do a, such a successful Kickstarter. Like so many people put up those types of projects and it doesn't really go anywhere, but you guys not only put it up, but crushed every stretch goal that you had. Yeah. Yeah. Now, there is a, the, very excited about that. There's a double-edged sword though, that we've been seeing more and more probably in the last 16 months. I don't know what you're going to say, but I, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> uh, we have a manager and he, he's nicely have said, Hey, I'm reaching out to all my contacts and they're asking, why do they need my help? You know, because from an outside perspective, it may look, oh my God, they got everything going on. They've got fans, they got Kickstarter, they got press, they're going on tours, they're doing all of this, they don't need my help. So we're, we're finding this fine line of like, yes, we want to go to the next level because that's just in our human DNA to keep evolving. Um, right. And, but there's just, it's, it, we're trying to find that balance right now of like, we do want to have people on board, but it's just really hard to. So you mean like sometimes the success of the Kickstarter numbers or a Spotify yes. number could make other people? Yeah. People that can really transform our careers. They go, oh, they don't need my help. Moving on. <laughs> but I guess, isn't that more a statement on them than you? You know, do, do they not feel like they can elevate you to that next level? Well, people want to be a part of something from the beginning. Yep. They want to feel like they helped make they from want to the like, ground. Yeah. yeah. And we yeah. are never going to have like that first chance at a first impression again because we have been around a minute. And that's fine. Like, I'm happy with, with the way that we run things. Like, it's good. It could be a lot worse. We're grateful. Right. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so let's say, hopefully, you know, next year, live music gets to come back. Um, what are kind of your hopes for obviously delivering on Amorphous with a live show? Yes. Tell them about the virtual show. Do what? The virtual show. The virtual show. Tell the them. one we have on book. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> Well, we're trying to bring in some of the things that we're doing now. So we're do, we do the Patreon, we do the Kickstarters, we do a lot of those things. And we have some pretty incredible people helping us with those things. But we would like to do, if we're not touring, because I've heard our agent the other day said 2022, our manager wants the fall of 2021. So we're, in my mind, this is how I'm approaching it. We're not touring at all the rest of our lives. You know? <laughs> so no 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 it's not doomsday thinking it's going to enforce me to act and innovate mm -hmm. and that's what we've been really good at is like if if we can't go there we're going to do this this way and that a lot of the things that we do a lot of bands don't do and it works for us so i what we're thinking is we're doing like you know the live streaming like everyone's doing but we're going to incorporate the patreon we're going to have zoom side stages you know so we're playing shows yeah. and there may be a big screen with just some we can see our audience. Yeah, digital. like some yeah. Zoom here, or we have to like some uh, panel set up here where the, the kids are on stage or the, the viewers are on stage. So we're really trying to think outside the box. I'm sure a lot of, I mean, I know a lot of innovation is happening right now and that's what I love. It's doing some, it's forcing some hands and making some things happen that maybe not, maybe it would have been 10 years from now that's happening, right. you know? So now we can sell, I think we're gonna be able to sell tickets from people from all right on the living room and they're going to be able to watch anywhere. We're going to be able to finally play Brazil, which we've been wanting to go to Brazil yeah. for, for years. We yeah. have a good fan base there or different parts of the world that we haven't reached yet because of yeah. logistics. We'll be Mexico, Mexico city is our third biggest city in the world, but we've never been there. Yeah. Like we want to connect <laughs> with that audience. Yeah. And so the hope would be that we can create a 
cool way to do that through online shows in the meantime. And then when we're back on touring in person, that'll just pick up. Yeah. We can have both of them working side by side and that would be really cool. But we miss our fans. Like we want to be with them. We want to play shows for sure. I miss just a fucking amplifier screaming on stage and drums and things. Yeah. And mics not working and cymbals falling over. (laughs) (laughs) I miss all that. I mean, that's why we do. That's why we we do this. Yeah, no, and I, I talked to uh, Shane Told of Silverstein not too long ago. Oh, yeah, He cool. said kind of the same thing. He's like, I would, all the, like, places that you took for granted when you were touring, like the little shitty dive bars that you were eating at and stuff, he's like, I would definitely go back there if it meant I could play shows again. Oh, hell yeah. And it's going to change our perspective. With We're going to see things in such a different light and have so much gratitude. So rather than, you know, those days when, like, everyone's, like, bummed out and complaining and it's raining during load-in, and you're like, what is life? We're just going to be, I think, so unstoppably happy for those first few tours back we're all just going to be giddy to have our jobs back again yeah and i i think it definitely has been eye-opening you know the music community is easily going to be the last one that gets to come back full strength Mm. um you know i'm hoping for summer of 2021 but that's all going to be probably socially distanced outdoor only venues and stuff like that and it's like okay but how do we really enjoy music at that point you know when we can't be screaming up in each other's faces um, but let's say uh you guys you know let's shoot for fall if you were able to book a tour right now with any bands that you wanted to be your first tour back where would you go uh we want to tour with bring me we want to tour with 21. Uh, bring me the rise would be awesome 21 pilots uh grandson uh hold on sean's just has to get we're shipping all our kickstarter stuff out and the post oh you're fine yeah he's gonna fill in that Given that, um, I would I'll play with Lincoln Park at any lineup version any day. But uh, we do want to get back to Russia because that's where we were uh, kind of when COVID struck, and we that went great. And then we have lifelong dreams of playing Japan as well. Yeah, I've always wanted to go to Japan too. Like, I, there's something about the the history and the culture there. There's such a dichotomy. Like Tokyo's all super high tech and new, but then you go out into the mountains and there's old castles and all that sort of stuff and it's just it's incredible yeah and i guess the music fans there are just really intense and into the music and so i'm excited to experience that one day too yeah um so we'll kind of wrap up with um you know the the year's going to come to the end here soon uh you guys will be going live uh your episode goes live the 30th of december Cool. So kind of what do you want to tell fans, you know, coming, hopefully coming out of COVID, right? We'll call 2020 the COVID year. What kind of a message do you want to deliver to fans for that? Oh, like good freaking job for getting through it. Like, <laughs> high five to the human race for surviving. Um, and with all the tor- turmoil and chaos of this year, there have been good things. There have been takeaways, you know, some of the forward movement and human justice that happened earlier this year. Uh, some of the personal growth, I think a lot of us did with realizing like, hey, are the people I was hanging out with the people I want in my life? Or was some of that maybe not that great, you know? Um, so let's, let's like leave the, the bullshit behind, but let's care- hold on to some of the stuff that actually was meaningful and powerful that went down in 2020 and let's let that change us like for the rest of our lives i intend to uh let this year almost be like the scar that i wear proudly that reminds me 
of, of everything that I learned and the ways that I changed for better and worse, you know, and kind of like Sean said, we're all experiencing it at the same time together. Like that's pretty freaking cool for a musician, for someone who tries to connect with people on an emotional level to imagine that we all experience very similar emotions right now. Like that's mind blowing. Yeah. For sure. Uh, Sean, I'll let you answer that same question. So we're going to call 2020 the COVID year. Uh, what message do you have for, for fans, you know, coming to the end of that year? I have no clue. She's the wordsmith, man. So I said, like, <laughs> hey, we could be like, good job, we did it, let's move forward. And then what do you want to say? I have no clue. Oh, okay. I have no clue. Uh, <laughs> Just say that. So what'd you say? Tell them what you love our fans. I do love our fans so much. I, I am the other day. Uh, our um, an, an assistant was on the Zoom, and I was teasing the fans like a lot, and she was like, "It's because we're getting so used to these people, and I'm seeing them constantly that I'm an older brother anyway with a bunch of sisters. So I like I like teasing anyway, but I don't know. I can't wait to see you. It's <laughs> like yeah, I cannot wait to see these people. Awesome. Um, so I think that's everything that I've got for you guys. Let's talk briefly about um, whatever you're allowed to divulge so far. Coming up on the release of Amorphous, kind of just what should fans expect? Uh, the release, well, more music videos are coming. Uh, we've got some acoustic tracks hidden in our back pocket we can't wait to share. And I guess we're excited to put this body of work out in the world because it is so timely. It was written during this chaos. And so we hope that it's relevant and connects with people where they're at right now. And we also hope it's like a, a nice distraction from everything going on yeah. as well. You know, music has been one of the main things that I think that's gotten a lot of us through it, uh, both making to it and listening to other people's music. But then, yeah, we'll do a virtual um, album release party right around the release time. And we're just really excited to share this thing that so many people helped us create you know we did this like as a tribe as the icon army we created this thing we set the plan in motion and then to be able to gift that into the world in february like it's awesome i wish we could do it right now awesome um so for the last you know two minutes or however long it takes you uh do the standard outro where can people find you we'll link all your socials but where can they find you what kind of um interactions are you looking for you know what i mean like instagram yeah. is that better than facebook things like that yeah uh youtube's always a great spot because yeah. we've got lots of videos coming out so if you subscribe to that you know you, you get the notification which is nice but we're gonna have bts stuff of uh, the making of the record coming out yeah uh, throughout this entire campaign and then uh instagram i'd say i'm the most active on sean doesn't really know how to use instagram but that's okay i don't know how to lo log into any of my socials we keep them around anyway <laughs> and then uh obviously spotify is a, is a great home for music and then if uh, if people wanted to find ways to stay more connected with us, our Patreon is a great way to do that. We call it the Icon Army Headquarters and we do live streams every month from there, acoustic shows, yeah. and give people demos and behind the scenes access and just all the stuff that we're too scared to release to the public, we give to our patrons, so that's cool. Awesome, awesome. Well, I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to the album, guys. I'm looking forward to live music so I can see you guys live again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, let's get through the rest of this year, I guess. And hopefully kick off with just more power next year. More yeah. power. And congratulations on being uh, 16 years in in the biz. I, That's cool. It's not easy. Thanks, yeah. It's not easy. No, no it's not. And But I think it it's 
artists like yourselves, and this is not me blowing smoke or just trying to, you know, butter you up. I think it's artists like yourselves, though, that there's so much passion in what you do. It makes my job that much easier because I can talk to someone about something they truly love. Aww. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's good. That's great. Thank That's you. That's great. And where are you located? I'm in Indiana. Nice. Love it. Midwest. What up? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. Well, maybe we'll. Uh, uh, not we too far to... away from you guys. So. Okay. No, that's close. Yeah. But yeah, come out to our show. Where do we play in Indiana? Uh, it... Are you close to Indianapolis? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. North. Don't we play so Kokomo? Gabe's or something? Are you near yep. Co that's Kokomo? That's exactly where I'm at. Oh, yeah. Ah, cool. cool. See, okay. we toured. Uh, every little town we that played would allow a rainy us. outdoor festival in Kokomo. Yeah, it was yeah. Halloween. No, That's, I don't know. Anyways, we know Kokomo, Indiana. Yes, we do. Yeah, yeah, awesome, awesome. Yeah. Well, we'd love to have you back. Uh, obviously, Indianapolis is a better, bigger market, but yeah. you know, we'll, we'll take you wherever we can get you. Perfect. Thanks for having us. I see you, Josh. Josh. Appreciate it. Thanks. Bye. And that was my conversation with Ariel and Sean from Icon for Hire. Had a great time with that conversation. Hope you guys enjoyed that as well. Really looking forward to this new album. Uh, as I said in the conversation with them, um, I caught them on Warp Tour five, six years ago, 2015. Um, and I had heard like one or two songs before that, but you know. Seeing a band live is really something something else. So uh, that's where I kind of got hooked into them and really started paying attention to what they were doing and and what they were putting out. Uh, and have been a fan ever since. And I think, you know, obviously over the years, they've grown and changed like we were talking about in the episode. Um, they've experimented with the sound and everything. And it's been an awesome thing to see but it's also i think incredible for them as artists as we kind of discussed to have developed such a strong fan base that is supporting them through these times of experimentation and just you know trying to be as as true and authentic as they can um i also really appreciate ariel talking about kind of the mental health side of of stuff for her and, and Sean even, you know, joined in on that some and the importance of music through that. So, you know, highly recommend that you guys check out this new album. It comes out February the 19th and it is called Amorphous. Um, like Sean said, it's going to be kind of the, the heaviest album that they've done. For some parts, and then there's other parts that are kind of emo and things like that, based on Ariel's lyrics and and things like, you know, that contributing to the sound. Be sure that you follow them. All their social medias and everything are linked in the description of this podcast. Um, this is the last episode of 2020. You know, I've been calling it the COVID year, <laughs> and hopefully, it is the last year that COVID is a major issue and major impact on our lives. Um, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll come through this and kick off 2021 things get better and we can have live music back. We can have, you know, gatherings and being able to be around 
friends and family again and things like that. Um, and yeah, just really looking forward to see what's in store. So, um, I am going to take you guys out with Icon for Hire's latest single, Last One Standing. Remember, guys, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and you make the scene. They always come for the wild ones. They always come for the freaks. I don't fit quite like they like it, and now they've come for me. They always want to change me. They want to make me weak. I don't keep quiet like they like it, and now they've come for me. An easy target, an easy mark. But how you think I got this far? I'm trying to face you, then I'll face you before I die. Come for the wild ones They always come for the fruit